Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by my co-pilot. Awesome. You know him as Austin Ward. Awesome. Welcome back to the Tim May Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Tim. It's always a pleasure to be in, invited to grace this show, the best named podcast, I think, in Letterman Row history. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I was going to use that term, the, the hottest aptly named podcast out there but uh <clears throat> i thought that was getting a little stale so i didn't use that term the uh most ap- the hottest aptly most hap- mo- hottest aptly named podcast it's even hard for me to say now those awards they just kind of keep stacking up you know on your shelf they're weekly awards but i i love them nonetheless but you know once again you know it's we need to we don't need to dilly dally here we got a lot to talk about in a little bit of time and the big thing we got to talk about is Ohio State's getting ready to open spring football drills and uh even for people who aren't Ohio State fans or care about Ohio State you know pay attention you know Alabama fans Clemson fans uh USC fans whoever whoever aspires to be really good this year it looks like Ohio State has a chance to be really good if if it takes care of some business in the spring and you and I are going to get into just a couple of three or four names that could pop up. We're not going to name everybody as is our want sometimes when we go down those rabbit holes, but we're going to name a few guys in the, a few folks in the second half of this uh, podcast uh, to keep your eye on. uh, And you're all game for that, right? Yeah. I I like that you, rather than just saying that uh, I'm going to pick one when you know that I won't, when you set the bar at three to four, uh, that probably corrals me a little bit so that I don't go to seven, eight, nine, or 10. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, always, I love spring ball. 
it's not going to be fully normal. I know you love spring ball. We love when it's time to get, you know, talking about the next season. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's this close and however it looks, whatever we get to watch, um, I'm excited to hear about it because it really sets the tone for the entire year, not just for the team, but for also our coverage. Yeah, you know, and I and I know, you know, I know that people who pay attention to this show know this, that uh, as you touched on a minute ago, if you ever became a professor, your expertise in testing would be multiple choice, not true false. I mean, that is without a doubt. Probably the same for me, don't you think? I think that you and I, we cannot be constrained by simply yes or no. Yeah. Uh, that's if, if anybody has been watching this podcast since it started, they're very well aware of that. We, we know that uh, it's never as, in, as easy as true or false or yes or no. And here's the thing, you know, and the thing about it is their, their life is not like that. Life has always got gray, gray area and rejoinders. And uh, I mean, just like the Daytona 500 this year, I, I posted my guys I thought would be, uh, had a chance, uh, five guys had a chance, had, to, had a chance to win that race. And you know what? With half a lap left, four of them were in contention. We're right at the front of the, uh, right at the front of the pack, you know. And uh, when all the carnage uh, finished from the big one there on the finish, none of those four were in the. I don't think we're in the top five. <laughs> if you follow my drift, there was a big wreck uh, started by Joey Logano and uh, Brad Keselowski, which took out a bunch of my fellas. Joey Logano was one of them. Austin Cindric was another one. But I digress. Uh, you know, before we get into. Uh, uh, my interview with with BB Landers, an encore performance by him on the Tim May podcast, because he's one of the more interesting fellows you and I have ever run into covering Ohio State football. And uh, you know, it's really interesting. It drops a little bit of news on us as far as his immediate future plans. And then I I kind of like uh, pick his brain on who he's watching, who he's got his eye on in the middle of that defensive line for Ohio State, which as as I will. Uh, as you will see in the interview I have with him, and we, we've talked about before, I think the most critical position on that defense to really set the tone for that defense is who's going to take Tommy Togiai's spot at defensive tackle, at that nose guard spot. I mean, that's huge as far as setting the tone for the rest of the defense. And he has some uh, he has some opinions on that. But, uh, you know, before we get into that, though, I want to give congratulations Diana, to Diana Sabo, a longtime number one assistant to Gene Smith, who is now moving to the Big Ten office? Uh, I don't know. Was that much? Of, was that a was that a big surprise to you? You know, you have a you and Diana have a relationship in terms of professionally. Uh, this yeah. gone back a ways, just like uh, you know, he, she and I do. And uh, I'm uh, you know, kudos to her, right? Yeah, I, and again, I would say, is it a surprise? Yes and no. I think that um, she was so valued by Ohio State, and then with what she did specific to football. I mean, Ryan Day absolutely loved the contributions that she made to the program. You know, the high-profile stuff that, you know, maybe the public gets a better feel of was the scheduling. Even even most people, I don't think, understand who's involved with that or yeah. they talk it up to the football coach or the athletic director. You know, nailing down that Alabama series will go down as one of the most public crowning achievements that she have, but had. But everything, um, you know, day-to-day with that program would run through her. She did a, a fantastic job. You just – you know, she's a, has been a key part of continuing to to raise the bar. Um, you know, doesn't get the, the kudos that Gene Smith or Urban Meyer or Ryan Day or anybody else gets, but uh, she's very well respect, uh, respected nationally, uh, adored in that Woody Hayes Athletic Center. They'll be sad to see her go. But yep. if one day she may want to replace Gene Smith, you know, one way to boost that resume is to take another job like this. You and I have talked about that before, who, who eventually would – 
lead the Ohio State Athletic Department in the future. Um, you could do that by staying and being that deputy for a long time, but uh, sometimes stepping out and adding one more line, uh, one more or more responsibility, which she uh, undoubtedly is with this role that's been created for her in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that'll help. But there, that that just means that there are three rock solid candidates that we'll talk about at some other point. Yeah, uh, but you know what? I want I want to talk about that real quick. I mean, the gene pool is very interesting. I call it the gene the Smith gene pool. Ooh. I mean, because you know, you got Martin Germont sitting out there as the athletic director at UCLA was previously at Boston College, which for previously for the most part had Diana's role before he moved to Boston College. I mean, definitely was in charge of scheduling football, which you know was pretty much the most important thing going out there. And by the way, uh, good luck with that Alabama series. Let's see if it ever if it really happens. But you know. <laughs> Hey, she made it very clear. Yeah. There's almost no way that it could not happen. I know. I know exactly. You know, what contracts are made to be like this. Who who knows when the pandemic, another pandemic's going to hit? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we've got all these other things that come into play uh, with of making those things come to fruition. And then all of a sudden, now you got a, a possible pandemic, you know what I mean? Which, I mean, it's thrown this Oregon series into sort of like who knows what. But, uh, you know, and then, of course, Pat Chun, who uh, left long before Martin Germain did, become uh, athletic director of Florida Atlantic and is at Washington State. And I think he's done a hell of a job at Washington State under some serious, seriously uh, trying circumstances. I mean, that that's a, you know, that, those guys touch all all the boxes in all kinds of ways, you know, of, of candidates. And who knows who might, might else, who else might pop up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Gene Smith uh, alumni group is uh, pretty stout. Agreed? Yeah, I, I really like that gene pool thing. I, you must have been working on that this morning. After oh, it came to me like that. <laughs> um, you know, in this, who knows that exact moment when when Gene Smith will decide that it's his time to retire and move on. I don't think that it's necessarily imminent. Uh, but, you know, it, he's closer to the end than he is to the start. Yeah. Um, and I think you, a, a program like this, uh, it helps to be familiar with, what the job requires, what you're expected to deliver, the size and scope of this budget and the number of teams. And it's not, I mean, Gene Smith obviously did a great job without maybe that real deep knowledge and intimate experience with it, but it's almost a different, he, just like, you know, Jim Trestle and, and Urban Meyer built and then handed down, it's gotten the athletic department and the football program have both gotten bigger and bigger and bigger at every step. And, at that point, it sort of requires some of that insider knowledge, and those three are going to have that. And so, yeah. it it would surprise me <clears throat> whenever that day comes if the if the next AD doesn't come from that gene pool that you you described and labeled there. Um, but that'll be a, a topic for another day. The the main point is that Diana did a fantastic job with Ohio State. She at least stays within that Big Ten footprint. Maybe that helps the Buckeyes. You know, there's all <laughs> think about all the conversations we had about the decisions. The yeah. league was making last year, maybe having somebody who understands wants and needs the most important program in the conference, uh, most important sport, most important team, um, biggest money maker. Maybe maybe that's a plus as well. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You know, uh, sometimes sometimes people bend over backwards to show they're not showing bias in situations. <laughs> You're right you about you that. never know. But but uh, you know, it's fourteen miles to feed there, not one. But uh, and 
Some of those mouths need more feeding than others. <laughs> well, you, want, you, you want to feed the most important person at the table. Amen. Amen. My dad, I remember my mom made one big steak uh, like once every two or three weeks when we were growing up. My dad always got the biggest, the biggest share of that steak, you know. And uh, uh, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, we'll get, you know, we're going to come back uh, after my interview here with B.B. Uh, Landers. And uh, we're, you and I are going to touch bases on a couple of three names to keep an eye on. Not not the not the quarterback battle or whatever, but the, you know some names that could pop up in the spring, which people aren't necessarily paying that close attention to right now. I'm talking about for Ohio State football, and it's pretty. I think I think it's pretty exciting to think about the fact there is going to be a spring. It does look like right spring drills. I mean, closer you get, I know Ohio State had to shut down the WAC, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center there for a week, but. Uh, you know, you're going to have pop-ups <laughs> in this in this age, but uh, we're getting closer and closer to a not maybe a not maybe a COVID-free world, but a COVID uh, suitable world, right? Yeah, and and that's like you said, uh, just having it is a big deal. I think that by the end of last season, it was kind of overlooked what Ohio State and everybody else had lost, and you can say, well, some teams dealt with this thing better than the other. That you know doesn't matter. Yeah, Ohio State lost a significant portion of its preparations and it showed up in some notable areas, which I think specifically impacted the pass defense in the secondary. You know, we can come back and touch on that lately. The later, the point is programs spring football exists for a reason. And the fact that there hopefully will be a normal one and everybody gets 15 workouts uh, and maybe a spring game and, and a nice afternoon for it on television. Um, let's, let's bring that on. This is what we wait for. Get, get us through March and April in this interminable offseason. Amen, brother. Amen. Somebody pass the plate right now while the uh, congregation is ready to give to tithe. But, you know, without further ado, let's have my little uh, conversation with B.B. Landers. Like I said, one of our favorite people of all time. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, an encore appearance by one of my favorite people of all time. Now, B.B. Landers, I say that about a lot of people, but you definitely are in that group, my man. Thanks for coming back to the Tim May Podcast. I appreciate you for having me as always, man. Come on now. You know, I know. you're one of my favorites. I know. You know, I, keep, I, I always wonder how much even more I would like you if we'd gotten to hang around with players like we used to get to do in the old days because just a little bit of, like, interaction, us guys in the media had with you, you know, were choice, memorable moments, you know. And by the way, you still got the cowboy <laughs> hat? You know I still got the cowboy hat. Come on now. Rocking the cowboy hat, ladies and gentlemen. Stetson. Yeah. Stetson hey. Bets, <laughs> well, or whatever brand it is. Uh, hey, real quick, I want to catch up with you for a bunch of reasons. Number one, I want, you, I want you to help me sort out what might be coming on what I continue, what I contend uh, is maybe the most critical part of the defense, uh, you know, in that interior defensive line is coming up this spring. Who needs to really step up and stuff? But, but before that, I wanted to catch up with you. You know, this time a year ago, you and I spoke, and uh, – it was just when COVID was sort of coming around and, you know, we didn't know at that moment, I don't think that, uh, for example, the combine or the pro day at Ohio state were going to be affected like they were. And uh, you were that, that guy that was kind of in the, in the tweener group that, you know, you needed a good workout to kind of catch some people's attention. And I think you only got one workout last year. If you remember correctly, you told me with the Cleveland Browns and stuff, but uh, just where does that stand as far as you, you go and, I think you like you told me a while ago, you're going to be part of the Ohio, Ohio State Pro Day this year, right? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be a part of the Pro Day. Um, 
You know, that whole process last year was just – it was a unknown toss-up. Um, you know, we didn't expect, you know, COVID to hit, and we didn't expect it to hit the way that it did. And um, it was one of those things, you know, me not being able to, to attend a senior bowl and then not getting pro day really hurt my process. But, uh, you know, I gave myself a little bit of time to kind of be upset and pissed off about it. You know, at the end of the day, you can't really be pissed off too much over something you can't control. And, you know, ever since then, I've been kind of just trying to take it one day at a time. God give you 24 hours, take advantage of that 24. So, um, you know, things were kind of down for a while. But, you know, as of this morning, I uh, talked to Coach Johnston and uh, got to talk to Coach Mick. But, you know, they're, they're going to clear me to do pro day this year, which is a blessing within itself so I can get another opportunity that I feel like I did not receive last year to try to display what I can do in some of my ability and potentially see what happened next. I was going to say, man, you know, uh, you deserve it, number one. Number two, you know, uh, awesome uh, – I call him Awesome Ward. Austin Ward and I were recanting uh, uh, on last week's podcast uh, about, you know, Troy Smith showed up just to throw the football <laughs> to the receivers on a yeah. pro day several years ago. Next thing you know, all the pro scouts – a lot of the pro scouts were talking to him about getting back in the NFL. So, <laughs> I mean, if anybody deserves a, a moment, it's, you know, it, it's you, BB, for all kinds of reasons. Number one, the, you know, without a doubt, forget about your measurables. The energy you bring, that four to six A to B energy that you bring is – jumps off the screen at anybody who's watching your videos and stuff. And how have you kind of maintained that enthusiasm, that uh, that want for one of a, for want of another term? Uh, well, number one, I still come in here to the – so I'm actually working at a gym. Uh, it's called Enhanced Shoe, ran by a guy by the name of Tremaine Hall. So I've known Tremaine Hall since I was in high school. Um, and then he's one of the guys that really supported me, especially when COVID hit by, you know, working his magic, allowing me to come into the gym, stay into the gym, staying in shape, kind of try to stay ready so I don't got to get ready for the unknown. And then that ended up transitioning into me training kids here. So I got yep. quite a few kids right now that I train um, – from multiple different schools here in the area that um, are great athletes. And I'm trying to my best to give them the knowledge that I've, I've been able to obtain over my time at being at Ohio State. And, you know, they've been doing pretty well. And how I look at it is I trained them the same way that Coach Mick or Coach Jay trained me. Yeah. My thing is, and I tell them all the time, I'm trying to get you ready for college. I'm not trying to get you ready for your season next season. I don't care about a high school game. I want you to be able to get to the, the next level, fulfill your dreams, go get paid for, and you are ready to, from the time that you step foot on campus. So I think me training them and being able to be hard on them and then just kind of watching their development and their growth, not only as, as football players but as young men, has been able to kind of help me keep that fire lit up under my butt because every now and then they got that day where they want to give me a run, think they're going to try to – Challenge me a little bit. Got to got to put them in their place and bring them back down a little bit. But um, you know, having them around and training them also pushes me to. It's like you know what? I got to make sure that I'm on my p's and q's because I also still got to lead by example for them. I can't just train them and be a hypocrite and be sitting back doing nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's they've helped me a lot. They might think I help them, but they help me more than anything else. So that's been one of the ways that I kind of keep that fire lit up under me. And I guess I'm in the gym Monday to Monday, training people Monday to Monday, training myself Monday to Monday. So keeps me out of trouble, which I don't get into much trouble anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, too, uh, it's one of those things that it, it allows me to continue to have that competitive edge. And then, you know, keeping up with them going to camps and 
constantly on their butts about doing certain things, certain techniques, and winning all their one-on-one reps. I tell them all the time, if y'all look bad, I look bad, and I'm not about to look bad. So <laughs> that helps me a lot. So that's my yeah. biggest thing right now. I was going to say, Duran Grant, I had him on, former former Ohio State uh, cornerback, yeah. had him on a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's he's uh, into that coaching aspect of things now with a with a workout uh, gym area place. But uh, his whole desire is to get into coaching uh, now yeah. because he's tried the NFL quite a few times. Hadn't quite had that just that real big break that lets you hang on for a while. And it is fleeting, right, that moment. But, you know, what I was going to get to, you know, with you is, you know, you'd, you'd be remiss. You would be regretful if, in fact, that's a word that's properly used there. If you didn't give the NFL and pro football a shot or several shots while you still are physically capable of doing it, I'm thinking – that's what you're thinking, right? Uh, you never get any younger. Why not give it that last? Not why not give it those last few shots, right? Correct. Like my thing is, I've already put in, let's say, 22 out of my 24 years yeah. on this earth into football and trying to get to NFL. You know, I, I the goal is always to get to the pros. That was always my dream. My first and foremost goal was getting to college and getting Ohio State and getting school paid for it. My dream school was Ohio State. So, like, I've already put all of this work in, and I fulfilled one milestone. So, why just say, you know what, I'm going to hang the cleats up for aspects of life that I just couldn't control and didn't get the opportunity that I wanted. Yeah. So, I told myself going into this year, I said, you know what, I'm going to give myself a year to a year and a half, and if God tells me and gives me a solidified sign that, hey, this is not meant for you, then I hang my cleats up. But I hadn't gotten that sign. And and if I did, sorry, Lord, I ignored it at this point in time. You know what I mean? And I'm just, I would have those regrets and I would have that big what if, yeah. if I did not exhaust all options. Sorry, Lord, if this turn signal was on, I lost it. Yeah, right? that's it. All right, man. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, before we move on, something I want to ask you about. Uh, uh, what is different about you physically compared to this time a year ago? Are you are you faster, bigger, stronger? What, what You know, if NFL scouts are watching this, I'm sure millions do. <laughs> <laughs> but they should. They should, BB. Uh, what, what do you have? To, what do you have to offer that you didn't even have to offer a year ago, in your opinion? I'd say my knowledge of the game now with me having this amount of time off it gave me the opportunity to actually sit down and truly 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 study the game into depths that I never honestly had to in the past in the past coach Johnson always made sure our football IQ was high it wasn't an option but for the most part I always was just prepping for week to week okay these teams run this Okay, these teams run this. This team run, runs this. This is the game plan. Okay, in these plays, this is what I should be thinking, expecting. Alignment, eyes, job, X, Y, and Z. But me having this time off has really allowed me to really fall back, sit back, press pause, and study the game into depths that I haven't had the opportunity to do so far. Yeah. So I would say my football IQ and my football knowledge – is the biggest thing right now that has uh, increased for me. The physical element and the speed is better. Um, 
I haven't really had the opportunity to fully test it, test it just yet, but yeah. I, hopefully we'll get started here with Coach Johnson in the next couple of days, and I'm going to see where I'm at, get the Coach J magic, so I'll go from there. Hey, tell uh, Trumaine uh, next time he gets a chance to up the uh, broadband signal there, you know, at his, at his gym there. It would be I, most I, appreciative I, when we check in. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to tell him, man. I'm trying. <laughs> By the way, I like the way you're rocking that Letterman Road T-shirt, man. Uh, you know, I didn't even know they made them that big. So uh, there you go. Hey, it, I know, it, I know it, the it one that Will Crawl gave me looks like I <laughs> looks like I put on my daughter's shirt or something, man. I, I don't get you it. You a sports bro? You a sports bro? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, real quick though, before, you, uh, before we move on, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, uh, as you studied the game, just like, like this last year, the more knowledge, it, it is my contention that for a guy like you, a defensive tackle, uh, in the the pro game and even the college game anymore, getting that like a yard upfield on somebody seems to be much more valuable than creating a stalemate somewhere, taking on a double team. I don't know because if you get a if you get a yard up the field on somebody, then you're creating a double team. If you follow my drift, but where where's that game changed? Just as you've been watching it for for your p- position in particular, BB. For me in particular, I think a lot of this, those small details to give you that little edge honestly yeah. plays into my factor because the NFL, the game is very fast. Everybody is athletic, and it's like as soon as the ball is snapped, you got to get to where you need to be right now. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I think that's one of the things that's always played into my favor. Yeah. I'd say from watching the NFL compared to when I was in college, you see a lot of guys at times that what we call you get reached by the O-liner and can still make a play. Now, in college, Coach Johnson, that's the quickest way to piss him off. Yeah. Don't get reached. Don't get outside of your gap. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like in the league, if you're able to play fast at a high level and you and your motor is very efficient, um, you still have the opportunity to be productive. If you're creating a new line of scrimmage, play in and play out, you have the opportunity to be productive. At the end yeah. of the day, it's all about production. Yeah. And – with the production, you have to have a great knowledge of the game because everybody at that point in time is elite at what they do. So yeah. you have to find that small little niche, that little nugget that you can pick up on to give you that extra little edge. Yeah. You know, it's, it is really weird because people don't watch – a lot of people don't watch football like they should. I've always been a fan of the trenches, a, a fan of the big fellas because that's what makes it football. The rest of it's seven on seven. You know what I mean? Right. But what makes it real American football is you guys going at it. And if you just watch even a big time college game like Ohio State Clemson last year, Ohio State Alabama, uh, uh, any NFL game, it is stunning how fast how fast stuff happens at the line of scrimmage with big fellas. You know what I mean? Running into each other, the speed you guys show, the elite guys show. It's it it is it is kind of a uh, it is kind of stunning a little bit, isn't it? When you watch it. If you can understand how we call that ten by twenty work, it's a little, it's a, it's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's levels to it. Like if you are in the trenches, in the trenches within that nose guard three tech position, yeah. you gotta let your kahunas drop. They get dirty in there. When you rushing off of the edge, you can get dirty, but it's a little bit more what I like to call finesse. At times, when you playing the end, you gotta be Bobby Fisher. When you first, when you nose to three tech, it's getting rugged. So. Um, Think, Bobby, you know, wait a minute. Did you just drop a Bobby Fisher reference? Hey, I like chess. You there know. you go, man. 
I know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes chess is played with a clock and sometimes it's played with a stopwatch. You know what I mean? I and uh, and I'm talking about A to B. Hey, got you, man. So, so uh, wait a minute. Uh, who would be that? Who would who who would be that character in the in the uh, in the A and B gap? I mean, in the A gap, especially if it's Bobby Fisher on the edge, Chase Young, and those guys, Boses. What, mm-hmm. What's the A gap? Who's that guy? I need a dirty Dan in the middle. Yeah, there you go. There you I go. I need a dirty Dan in the middle. It's hey, completely different. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, nobody moves their pieces on the board quicker than uh, BB Landers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, BB Giddy, that's a good segue into what I wanted to talk to you about also. Big time spring uh, coming up. Ohio State's going to get to have spring drills this year. Didn't get to have them last year, except for yeah. two. And uh, too bad that one of them, Master Tig the third, limped off with an Achilles. So anything can happen when you put on a helmet, right? And shoulder pads. Always. But my point, I want to get to you to this. I think the, you know, everybody keeps asking me about the key position that needs to be replaced or somebody needs to step up in on this defense this year, coming off a fair, you know, a little bit of a disappointing year last year in, in some ways, especially pass defense wise, but mainly that. But in your area of expertise, I've always thought the A gap guy, the, uh, the, the interior, two interior guys set the tone for the rest of the defense. They can, they can change the way an offense and especially an offensive line has to block, you know, has to deal with a defense, which I think is a domino effect for everything else that you, that they try to get done on offense. But, you know, as you look at this, as you look at these guys coming back, Tommy Togi is left. Haskell Garrett is returning. He made an all American team last year, maybe the most surprised player emerging from the high state defense a year ago. You might agree with me, but who are number one, what address that. And then number two, who are you, who are you looking at? It needs to really kind of step up and, as you say, drop their kahunas this this spring and maybe a preseason? So, Haskell coming back for me wasn't a surprise. You know, we still two peas in the pod, love him yeah. to death. Um, and, you know, with Haskell, his thing is – this is one of the reasons why I love him so much is he's always trying to chase greatness. And his, his mentality was last season – didn't pan out the way that he wanted. And you could see week to week, he was getting better and better, better. And it just showed how important spring ball was because some of the things that you had to clean up during your short season, you wouldn't normally get done during spring ball. So him coming back is just him honestly pushing himself to be better than his previous, than the previous year, which is, like I said, one of the reasons why I love him. And it's going to definitely help the room a lot, just him coming back and, he's going to bring back a lot of the knowledge and he's, he's going to be one of the oldest vets in the room. So the room is going to always drive as far and as fast as the front row pushes it. Yeah. And this so happens that he, he got the keys to the, to the, to the bus. So, um, you know, it's going to be an amazing year watching him, especially now getting the spring ball and just seeing how much better he's going to be this season. Um, for me, at the nose guard position, I'm not 100% in Coach Jay's mind on who he's thinking about moving around and doing what. Um, but one guy that really jumps out, I don't see two guys that jump out to me is, um, shoot. Teron? Yes. Teron Vincent? Teron Cage? I mean, give me. I'll help you out. I mean, I don't know. Go ahead. Those are the two that really jump out to me. Um, I'm not sure what Coach Johnson plans on doing with Teron. You know, when I was there, Teron was a three-tech. So yeah, exactly. About intertwining those three middle guys between, you know, giving a high school break, 
moving Toronto three tech and bringing Cage down at nose goal. I'm not sure what he has planned, but between Tehran and Jerron, those are the two guys that I feel like spring ball is going to be very important for them to get ready for this up and coming season yeah. for Tehran, probably more so just because he might have to play that nose guard three tech spot. And a lot of people don't really understand, but going from three tech to nose guard or nose guard to three tech is not as easy as you think it is. You know nope. what I mean? At nose guard, you're guaranteed for the most part to get a double every other play. And if your first step is not quick enough, oh, you can it's, it's a wrap. At three tech, you have to be a little bit more patient. You at least have, have the opportunity to get two steps in the ground before you engage with that guard, yeah. unless you're in the B block. So he's probably going to have a lot on his plate because he's going to have to find his beat and find his niche between the two. Yeah, and Antoine Jackson, the kid that transferred in, you know, after going to Auburn and then going to uh, Blinn, I think it was Blinn Junior College, and came up. Yep. You were around when he – I mean, he was a five-star, four, four-and-a-half, five-star at one point. Hadn't really showed much until last year a little bit and kind of got shoved into the fray. It, yeah. you know, he's back. I mean, do you what, – what, have you been around it enough or have you just noticed is there a difference about him than there was two years ago when he first showed up? I didn't – honestly, I didn't know that he was coming back another year. So, never mind. I got another name to add into that. He's definitely going to have to be another one to step up. Um, I think the biggest thing with him was at first was just – figuring out the game. You know, Coach Johnson's playing style is completely different than any other D-line coach you're going to come across. Yeah. So I think his biggest thing was just kind to was just trying to navigate and figure out Coach Jay, figure out the system, um, you know, obtaining certain skill sets and figuring out what his game was within our defense. So now that's another vet in the room that's definitely got to step up. I honestly didn't know he was coming back because I would have laid with that name if that was the case. Hey, uh, real quick before we go, uh, as you watched Ohio State's defense last year, what what, what was sort of – I mean, if you – because, you know, I can see you being a coach one of these days if you're not a, a TV or radio personality. TV, by the way, go go for TV because that's where it is anyway. Uh, but I digress. Um, you have your daughter on with you, you know, your cute daughter. <laughs> Y'all could have a father and daughter show. Uh, she could talk about the three, tech, three technique and you could talk about buying dresses. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I digress. Uh, what what just what did, what would you like to see them address in the spring defensively from just watching those games from you know from from the comfort of your couch or your uh, parka lounger last year? I think the biggest the biggest thing for me and this and once again I'm biased I'm a firm believer in the start with the trenches. Football will always start with the trenches. You can't yes. run the ball if the trenches is not good. A quarterback can't pass the ball if you got some man in his face having play. So for me, it's it's going to always be within the trenches. Not as for like a lot of guys all the way across the board. It's going to have to step up. Um, we got to get a little bit more production out of the DM position, um, which yeah. I feel like um, I'm hoping that Tariq is another guy that really steps up this season. You know, you got Zach Harrison, you have um, kid Tariq from Smith, yeah, Tariq. Yeah. You got the kid yeah. from Pick North, yeah, yeah, uh, Jack Sawyer. Yes, Jack. So that's a, and that's a young guy that I feel like will be very efficient if he has a good spring ball. So wow. I just think the biggest thing is, is on third down for for the defense right now. We need to get a little bit more production out of that DN position. Within the interior, I feel like Haskell and Tommy did a great job. You know, over the course of the years, you've they might have had the most production between a nose guard and a three tech when it came to third down. Yeah. And I can say that. Very prideful, even though I, I was there not too long ago and 
our, my production wasn't even that high on third down. So I felt like they definitely held the middle down very efficiently. We just needed to have more production on third down out of the DN, out of the DN spot. So a lot of those guys in the DN position, we definitely had to step up and um, kind of show out a little bit. Yeah, so no, this spring yeah. ball is going to be uh, very important for a lot of them as far as honing their craft and working on technique and fundamentals. Yeah, no doubt they missed Tommy Togia in that championship game. I mean, uh, I, I, I've, I've said this, you know, I'll repeat it again. People watching or listen to my podcast. I mean, if you had to take two guys out of Ohio State's lineup for that game and, and cause – just mechanical problems for them. Doesn't mean they're necessarily the best player on the offense or defense, but they definitely cause mechanical problems for you. Yeah. Offensively, were Tommy Togia and Trey Sermon on the offense when he broke his collarbone yeah. on the first play. It totally changed the dynamic for both sides of the ball, didn't it? But Tommy definitely, you could see him missing, right? Big time. You know, at the end of the day, it's about dominating the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And when, and this is no knock on, you know, Tehran and and Jerron and um, all those uh, other Antoine guys having to, having to step up in that position, but you know it's it's hard to really step up in that position in a game like that against an elite offensive line like that and be efficient. And you can see that at times it's just the line of scrimmage was moving in the negative and not yeah. in the positive as far as within the defense. And then you know a guy like Trey Sermon on the offensive side who's was starting to click the O-line was starting to click and they were starting to figure it out on first and second down by getting the ball rolling on the ground so when you take that factor out and then you put in um you know guys like Teagan who was in an elite running back don't get me wrong yeah but he was that's not one of those games that you can just throw somebody in and expect them to be ready yeah. I know Mark. coach always said when your number's called you got to be ready but that's a whole another whole another environment so yeah I just felt like missing those two guys definitely Put a put a nice little ding, you know, in that coffin. But you know what? It is what it is. That's, that's the beautiful thing about the game. That's right. Hey, BB, I'm wishing you all the luck in the world on March the 30th when you get to work out for the NFL scouts uh, on NF on Ohio State's pro day. And uh, you know, if if give me give me one thing that you think they might find out about you on pro day, both watching you with a stopwatch and watching you run shuttle or whatever you do, and then a quick interview situation. Well, give, give me something they might find out about you that they didn't know. Besides, you, you know, everybody knows your good looks and charm. Oh, God. Hey, I'm the black John Wayne. I get it. I know. There you go. Uh, Bingo. That is exactly I think the right. Go ahead. It's going to be probably just how quick I am within, honestly, within that 10 by 20. Um, and then just how efficient that I can be when it comes to rushing the passion and playing first and second. And then when it comes to my football IQ, just how high my football IQ is. You know, if yeah. you put me in a room and put me on a whiteboard and you tell me, that, well, what's this, what's this, what's this? I can tell you the O-line. I can tell you the D-line, offensive formations, defensive formations. I can tell you what the back end does. I can tell you my thought process. If we're in a cover one or a cover three, cover two or cover five, or yeah. cover four, it doesn't matter. So I think the biggest thing is just going to be me having the opportunity to display how high my IQ is, and then it's me having the opportunity to just honestly get the chance to display my physical ability. So, until then, taking it one day at a time, brother. BB Landers, you can step up to my whiteboard anytime, brother. I like the way you die. I like the way you talk about things. I like the way you diagnose things, and uh, I just like you as a human being. Uh, BB Landers, thanks for coming back on the Tim May podcast, my man. I appreciate you, Tim. Love you, brother. 
Yeah, awesome. I'm right, right? B.B. Landers, one of our favorite people, and uh, people just saw, again, the reason why. Yeah, I mean, that's a uh, – hey, I wanted him to get a shot last year. It was kind of – he got a raw deal. I don't know how much he could have made of it, but he didn't really even have an opportunity. Um, that worked out to our benefit. He was on, uh, you know, weekend kickoff at Urban Myers Pint House with us most weeks last year. He's done a bunch of – he's been on the podcast here. He's been to Letterman Live at Rooster's. Uh, because he's always been one of the most entertaining guys to be around and talk to and, and uh, a fun guy to be with uh, after the lights and cameras are off as well. Uh, likes to have a good time. Dude, uh, wait a minute. How about the way he was rocking the Letterman Row T-shirt on that on just now, just a few minutes ago? I mean, I love it. He, he actually texted me on, on Monday and said, hey, I'm going to be on the Tim May podcast, and I want to let you know that I'm working on a pro day just so that you don't feel like you're behind. Hey, if, yeah, Tim knows, if Tim knows that's the same as me knowing don't worry about it but um that's sort of the way I mean he's a thoughtful guy too oh, yeah. like oh can't, yeah can't say enough about him and I hope that this you know pro day workout you know, kind of having to start from scratch a year away from football a couple different options that were maybe out there that didn't work out just because of the you know pandemic year that threw everything out you know the window you know start over. He hasn't given up and training out there in Dayton and working with, right. working with kids. And just, you know, I, I hope that this, I hope he at least gets a fair shot. I do too. And, you know, and, uh, you know, one of these days he and I are going to do a podcast. We both agreed, both of us wearing our cowboy hats. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm not, but it will look like I dyed my hair cause it's gray. You know, who knows what color his hair will be on that particular day. Uh, and that's what one of the things he became famous for in his final year uh, but, uh, you know, you got to call attention to yourself somehow, some way in the middle of that defensive line. So let's jump right into it, you know, about what we promised the people, three or four people we're looking out for. Uh, he already talked about the fact that Ron Cage, uh, uh, perhaps Antoine Jackson, as much as anybody else, needs to really step it up this, this spring and maybe preseason to show they've got a, a viable candidate there to replace Tommy Togia, the big push in the A-gap at uh, nose tackle. So we've covered the defensive line for the most part because we know Zach Harris and Tyreek Smith can be more effective than they were a year ago, uh, at least maybe play, maybe play a little more consistently than they did a year ago. Tyler Friday, Javante, Jean-Baptiste, those are guys on that defensive end group that uh, really need to step up. If, in fact, Haskell Garrett, who is returning at that defensive tackle spot, is going to lead a real big-time charge again up there up front. So let's, let's just take – you you name one guy, and you kind of gave a gave it away last last week in the tease for this on on offense. You name one guy, and I'll name one guy that I'm looking forward to seeing in the spring. Maybe take the bull by the horns, perhaps not become a starter, but become a guy you got to pay attention to. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the offense, there's not a tremendous amount of uncertainty uh, beyond quarterback. I think that there's also a running back competition. We can talk about that later, but it, the the spot that I think I mean, it's not fair to say it's uh, overlooked because every year Ohio State talks about the tight end and how they want to use it. But it's, you know, it's not necessarily even about the passing game, but this offense has increasingly used those two tight end sets. And Luke Farrell, I think, is going to be in the NFL a long time, and Jake Hausman was a very sturdy blocker. So you, that's a, that is a key spot to me that has to be replaced. Uh, and I think that you know the, the most obvious leading candidate there is Cade Stover, uh, and he can do things with the football in his hands. Really successful running back in high school when he wasn't laying people out at linebacker. 
<laughs> and he's you know throwing, still throwing his body around on special teams for Ohio State. But he's another one of these guys that fits in this category where we saw three, you know, one week of practice, one that was open in the media last year, and Ohio State was throwing him the football a lot. They were trying to speed up that process to convert him where he'd gone linebacker to defensive end to tight end. There's a little bit of Sam Hubbard to his story as well, thanks to his positional versatility. And you know that he'll hit people. You know that he's willing to block. You know that he can catch. But the, they're, they're, you know, I, I talked to Luke Farrell about this a couple of weeks ago, just how long it takes to learn some of the intricacies of the position while also physically developing because you're having to do some wide receiver stuff. You're having to be an offensive lineman almost at times. Uh, and it's, it's hard. It's a hard position, but it's also really important to Ohio State's offense. So you need that second tight end. Joe Royer and Sam Hart will compete there as well. But I, I really think that Cade Stover, I know for a fact that there are people in the Woody that think he can be an NFL tight end. Um, but this will be the key part of that development this spring. Yeah. Uh, the guy I'm going to name is uh, you saw him a little bit last year. He kind of got pressed into duty at the end because of an injury situation. But uh, the want is to talk about Mark, Master Teague III is coming back. How about that picture of him from the workout uh, inside the Woody the other day? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's crazy. <clears throat> he was already a physical specimen. Now I'm not sure what you'd call him, but uh, it's crazy uh, the, the body that, that young man has. Uh, and then, of course, Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor, the uh, freshman coming in. But a guy, you know, I've got my – I still got my eye on Marcus Crowley. I mean, Marcus Crowley – I'm not sure he ever felt 100% back last year, even though he had to play a lot in that uh, national championship game because we all know Trey Sermon got hurt on the first play, left after the second play, broken collarbone. And uh, Marcus Crowley – Mayan Williams wasn't there. Exactly. Mayan Williams – I mean, everybody's got their – if you don't have your eye on Mayan Williams, you're not paying attention. You know what I mean? I mean, clearly he's going to be a factor – He's if he's not beating somebody out, he's pushing somebody. That's for sure. But I think there's more there. You know, as Tony Alford kept talking about him when everybody else was poo-pooing their take at running back, you know, a year ago in the recruiting wars. I mean, Mike Williams, you know, he kept talking about the he saw a lot in this kid. I think everybody saw what he saw as the year went on. But Marcus Crowley's the guy that we had our eye on two years ago. I mean, a year and a half ago, got hurt and uh Never was, I don't think, 100% last year coming back or at least 100% confident. There's a guy I've got my eye on on the offensive side of the ball uh, yeah. because I think he has all the tools to be a big-time back. But it is really interesting. As I wrote about several weeks ago for our LettermanRow.com, the stampede right there, the cavalry charge at running back in the spring, if it if it if those guys really get to get up and go, it could be a very interesting uh, spring and preseason camp. Now – Jump to the defense. I'll take the first name defensively that I've got my my eye on, only because I think this guy's got the bit. I mean, you know, I'm always using that term champion at the bit. I think this guy's got the bit in his teeth, and that's Jack Sawyer. I mean, you know, a spring or a preseason camp where none of that group of defensive ends just jumped right off the uh, table at you last year for one reason or another. I think it's tailor-made for a guy – like Jack, who has, you know, uh, been training for this for a year. He took the year off of football, you know, at, in Pickerington to get ready to show up at Ohio State early. And, and uh, heck, he, he saw himself playing in the spring if, in fact, it was going to be a spring season. Of course, that got nixed, you know, both the spring season and the fact that if there had been one, he wouldn't have gotten to play in it, I guess. But, uh, but I've got my eye on that guy because I want to see what his motor is all about because 
All you ever hear when you talk to people about him is just he's at high revs, man. He's at high revs most of the time when he's on the football field. So there's a guy I'm curious to watch. You know, we can name 100 guys. You name one. Oh, how can I how can I do that? I I I'm not I'm not going to. I'm gonna we got we got more podcasts. We can name other guys later. Give me one guy that you think is gonna that you got this feel about that you think is gonna jump off the chart in the spring or at least make people pay attention to. There I don't know how any other way I can ask that question except that way. Go ahead. Four-way stop here. Cody Simon. I, I think that we this is such a this is a really big deal for Ohio State defensively. Yeah. Uh, and I, I talked to Bobby Carpenter about this on Monday, so I won't rehash the whole conversation about the linebackers. But, you know, it, it was impressive on two fronts that Ohio State was able to keep some starters in the program for as long as they did, putting off the draft in Baron Browning's case, coming back from injury in Justin Hilliard's case, Pete Warner, multi-year starter, three-time captain, tough four. And we know what Ohio State lost. But yeah. you also have Taraja Mitchell, Kayvon Pope, and Dallas Gant, who were willing to stick around to be seniors. But I don't – that doesn't guarantee that you just get to be the next yeah. in line. I think yeah. that they, are, they will all have the first crack at it. But I think there's a lot to like about Cody Simon's game. In some respects, when I watched him physically, the way he showed up a year ago, I, I thought he just kind of moved, looked like Malik Harrison. Um, and he's one of the most physical, uh, physically imposing athletic linebackers I've seen uh, in a long time just carrying that size and, and the way he could move. I don't know. I don't know if he'll leave camp with a starting job. I don't know if he'll win one in August. I know that he has the potential to be a very good linebacker. Uh, and this is, you know, it's a it's a clean slate. That competition is pretty open, uh, even though those other three guys I named have been in the program for a long time. You know, I would not be surprised to see a young guy like Simon make that leap. Tommy Eichenberg, uh, Mitchell Melton as well are going to be right there in the mix. But yeah, I don't know. There's just something about when you see the way you see that, that physical body type, you, you notice it when it walks on the field. Um, that doesn't always translate perfectly, but I think, you know, if Al Washington is looking at this group and this unit and trying to find some of that upside, maybe for a couple of years, if he's going to be a starter, you know, he's going to be in the rotation. He's got to be uh, coming out of this camp, I think with some, some momentum uh, for Ohio state. Yeah. And uh, see that wasn't so hard. Was it awesome. well, it's hard? I wanted to say Teron Vincent. I know. I know. Ransom, but I won't. We got I, a long I was going to say, I mean, I was playing in my head. Lathan Ransom was one of my guys, you know, Cam Brown. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, you can say, well, you know, well, that's expected. Hey, we're talking about competition, man. And you got to feel, you got to feel that the, uh, the, um, the way these guys are going to be perused this, this spring in the defensive secondary guys are going to have to show <laughs> what they're all about. I think they, they, they had to get by, you know, last year, because of injuries, because of guys getting kicked off, uh, you know, because of injuries as the season developed. Uh, some guys just kind of got stuck in there and playing without really a lot of competition going on. This spring and preseason camp promises a lot of competition in that secondary because it is under scrutiny big time, correct? Uh, absolutely. And I think you're talking about somebody who, uh, under the microscope, that's Kerry Combs. And yeah. I, you and I have talked about this. People don't need to hear me say it again. There are, you have to put in context why the struggles exist. It's not, it's not excusing it or whatever. I'm just telling it's just why it happened. But this is the year that will be evaluated, not just by you or me, but Ryan Day. Uh, this is year two. He's got the full 
camp to install whatever he wants. He'll know the personnel, all the opportunities that didn't exist a year ago. He should at least have in terms of, you know, physical development, schematic development, all that. That's, that's all in place for Kerry Combs. Um, you know, obviously he has more talent than he could, anyone in the country really. Uh, so finishing number 122 against the pass will, uh, you know, have him looking for somewhere else to work. Uh, I don't, I expect a dramatic improvement because of how well they've recruited, because I think Kerry Combs is still uh, an elite coach. Uh, we'll see, you know, how the, how it works with Matt Barnes and what Parker Fleming provide there with special teams and allowing him to move around. But the, you know, there's no other way to say it. He didn't get the spring. That makes this one almost twice as important as the one that he would have had a year ago. Correct. Correct. And by the way, you know, I'm going to step out and say this. We'll see, you know, after a season is over, how, how this plays out. I think Matt Barnes, who's now been, you know, moved into that role of basically in the secondary coach. I mean, I think he's a hell of a teacher. I mean, I think he's a really good teacher. Studies the game. Um, I'm curious to see how, how, that chemistry works, you know, uh, dealing with dealing with these secondary guys as opposed to just being a, basically an adjunct professor in the secondary a year ago, you know, and running special teams. I'm I'm curious to see how that goes. I think it's going to go extremely well. I've heard this guy speak publicly, you know, to a group and stuff, and he gets his points across. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I am I am very curious in a positive way of seeing how that goes. Yeah, he's a sharp guy, and. Um... I hope that that teaching clinic uh, resumes. It's always, yeah. uh, you know, you and I, I don't think we've ever missed it when we've been invited uh, just to go learn and hear those guys in a different setting. Yeah. Uh, definitely talking above my pay grade, but it helps so that I can try and understand what's happening the best I can. But um, he also has a, re- a really kind of dry sense of humor. Yes. Uh, he shows that in some of the videos Ohio State does. He also talked with Berm, uh, Bermanology, I think it was about two weeks ago, if people haven't seen that. Uh, you know, a nice kind of glimpse at who he is and, you know, describing himself as a football nerd and all that kind of stuff. Um, he, I think he's a, he doesn't get enough credit maybe um, for what he's done and what he could become for Ohio State. But clearly Ryan Day uh, sees something in him where he wouldn't have made some of the moves that he made. Uh, that also goes for Parker Fleming and Kerry Combs that he didn't feel the need to completely up uh, renovate. Yeah. Up- uproot the coaching staff this offseason so um, that's a key part of it right there you're right yeah I think uh, I think dry sense of humor is one of the one of the key signs of intelligence by the way (laughs) well you're biased huh it's about 95 I have a dry sense of humor it's about 95 proof no I'm just joking Uh, if I was a bottle of wine I'd be a Cabernet Sauvignon or something like that you know I mean uh, you know like 14 15 percent alcohol that's pretty dry isn't it Sounds dry to me. I think you'd be around 15, 15 half percent too. I mean, uh, we'd be I'm on the a, same, we'd be on the same shelf, you know, I'd be a little more aged than you are. So, well, yeah, you're a fine wine and I'm a craft beer. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, at least you're not one of those, uh, whatever those things are called. Uh, we'll get into it. Uh, uh, awesome. Thanks for joining the Tim May podcast again, man. We're going to come back next week. And we're going to point out a few other guys that we've got our eyes on because he and I were both sitting here like this as we're talking, trying not to name more than one guy. And it's really difficult. If you noticed, I slightly, speaking of dry sense of humor, I slightly named four or five guys before I got to my guy uh, uh, by saying that we already know about these guys and stuff. And he did the exact same thing when he's talking about that linebacker situation. So uh, it's tough, ladies and gentlemen, when you got so much knowledge 
and so little time to uh, spread it around. Right, Awesome? I don't know if that's my problem. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the myth up and make it seem like it is. But uh, right. once again, congratulations, Diana Sabo. Uh, thank you very much to B.B. Landers again for joining the Tim May podcast. One of my favorite people of all time. And I even admit to him, I say that about a lot of people, but he's definitely in that list, man. You know, that list is growing now, I've noticed. Uh, you know, if you come on my podcast and I like, you know, and, and give me the time of day, you're one of my favorite people. That's not a bad way to go through life, is it? Awesome. That's an easy way in. That's that's the back door to make sure that you can get Tim May's love. Just come on down to the podcast. We'll put a, sh- a sign-up sheet on the door. Uh, come join us. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And speaking of that, until next time, I'll keep scratching. Awesome. Thanks for joining me again, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's the Tim May podcast for this week. We'll see you next week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.